All right, open your Bible this morning to the book of Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, and I'm going to start reading in verse 13. <clears throat> While you're trying to find it, let me just say this, this uh, message today is, the thought process behind it is contrary uh, to, to this culture and probably contrary to your lifestyle. Okay, I'll just tell you that right off the bat. It's a, it's a thought process that God has built into creation. He's built into mankind that we have a tendency sometimes to struggle with, okay? Now, we know as, as human beings, we have all kinds of things that we struggle with and sin and all that kind of stuff, and this is not a sin thing necessarily we have trouble struggling with, but as a human, uh, we just find it hard sometimes to do. And so as I read these first couple scriptures, I think maybe you'll understand where I'm going. Uh, Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 and 14 says this. Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm. The King James says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. Read verse 14 with me out loud. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. Your only job throughout the whole process is to be still. And that's the title of my message this morning. Can you pray with me today? Father, this morning we, once again, as we've said in, in worship, Lord, we just are privileged to be your children. So thankful, God, that you would give us the time of day, Lord, and, and give us your love, even though we definitely have not deserved it in our lifetime. And God, in a, in a world that resembles somewhat of a vortex and a, and a whirlwind at times, we hear vo all kinds of different voices and thought processes and worldviews and it leaves us confused at times and sometimes just frustrated and, and wore out and exhausted. But God, there's that one voice, your voice, that is constantly speaking to the innermost part of our being, speaking to our soul. And I pray, God, that you would help us, Lord, to go against the grain of our own flesh and find that place, God, that quiet place where we can be still and that you can speak to us, Lord, and give us the direction we need, give us the strength that we need, Give us the power that we need today, Lord. We love you. I pray for your anointing. I, I, I just step aside this morning as a vessel, uh, God, that you can speak through today that will accomplish a good purpose, a great purpose in every heart and life here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. 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 So the background behind this, and I know it's probably familiar uh, with this, but just to kind of give you a background, if you don't know, um, what led up basically for God to say this to his people, uh, we know that for about 400 years, uh, the Israelite people were slaves to the Egyptians. You go back to, they, actually the Israelites, when they first went to Egypt, they were guests. The Egyptians invited them to come and stay there during a famine, a period of famine through Joseph's life. But as time went on, the Israelites began to multiply and they began to grow. And so the Egyptians began to look at the Israelites and see them growing. And, and they thought to themselves, you know, one of these days, if, if war breaks out and the Israelites decide to turn against us, they'll probably beat us because there's more of them than there is us. So the Egyptians turned on the Israelites and began to abuse them and they turned them into slaves and used them to build their buildings and so on and so forth. They were very harsh toward the Israelites. And for 400 years, the Israelites lived like that. And for 400 years, God's people, the Israelites, cried out to God for deliverance. 
Anybody would. God, get us out of this mess. I mean, their backs are bloody from the Egyptian whips, and they're just praying and begging God, please deliver us out of this bondage. And so God raises up a man by the name of Moses, sends Moses into the heart of Egypt, and through a whole lot of awesome circumstances that I don't have time to go in today, God does just exactly what the people asked him to do and what God promised he would do, and he delivers them out of Egyptian bondage. And so the entire nation of Israel gathers together and they leave Israel or leave Egypt. It's a mass exodus. That's where we get the title of this book, Exodus. They leave Egypt. And so they're on their way to a land that God has provided for them, which we now know today is the land of Israel. And so they're on their way there. But as they come, they travel so far and they come to a big body of water known as the Red Sea. And they're, they're realizing, well, now what are we going to do? We can't, you know, do we, we can't really go around. And, and so then the, that, that's a bad enough obstacle. But to make the situation worse, the announcement comes that Pharaoh, king of Egypt, has changed his mind. He's now wishing he hadn't let the Israelites go, and he's decided to come back after them and force them back to Egypt and probably kill many of them along the way. So Egyptians, the Egyptian army is pursuing hot behind. The Red Sea is in front of them. Literally, they're between a rock and a hard place, and there's nothing that they can do except gripe. You know? And so they're complaining, and they're griping, and they say, oh, we should have stayed in Egypt, and what are we going to do? They, they're doing what any one of us would do in a situation like that. They're just at their wit's end. What are we going to do? And it's hopeless. And so as they go to God, and they're saying, God, what are we going to do? The only, God didn't say, take your swords out and get ready to fight. He didn't say, you know, build some boats real quick and we'll try to paddle you across. God said, I just want you to leave this up to me. I wonder how many people in this, situ- in this room today are finding yourself maybe in somewhat of a situation like that. You literally just don't know what to do. You're between obstacles and you're out of ideas. You're out of ideas, you're out of money, you're out of patience. And God would say the same thing to you that he said to the Israelites all those years ago. And we read it. He said, just stand still, be silent, be quiet, and leave this up to me. I love that last verse. The Lord will fight for you. The only thing you have to do is be quiet. Does anybody besides me find that difficult to do? (laughs) Right? I just want you to be quiet. Be still for a little while. Take yourself out of the equation and let me do what I do. Amen? Let God do what God does in your life. You know what? It it worked out. You You know the story. Obviously, God brings a big pillar of fire that just separates the Israelites from the Egyptians. God buys them a little time. And in the meantime, while the Egyptian armies are trying to figure out what this big ball of fire is and how to get through it, God is parting the Red Sea. The waters are literally, in a miraculous way, something that only God could do, is parting the sea, and we know that the Bible says the wind came through, dried out the ground, and the entire Israelite army, which many historians think might have been to the tune of about three million people, the entire Israelite people cross the Red Sea on dry ground. They get to the other side and they're safe. The Egyptian army decides that just for whatever reason, I wouldn't have done this. If I was the Egyptian army and I come up and there's this big wall of water on both sides, I wouldn't think to myself, well, let's just go in too. No, not after all the plagues I just witnessed, I'd be like, you know what, forget it. They're not worth it. 
But the armies just rushed right into the, the sea to go get the Israelites. And God then, as God's holding back the walls of water, God just turns them loose and the Red Sea collapses on the Egyptian army and slaughters them all. God did what people couldn't do only because God had said and the people obeyed, just step back and let me do what I do. Be silent. The, the people, the children of Israel contributed zero to that entire victory, except that they did what God said and they just was silent for a while and let God do what he wanted to do. In order to get direction, you first got to get quiet. Amen? There are times, been in my life, and I know in yours too, where I just didn't really know what to do. Whether it was a job situation, maybe something having to do within the church, you might find it hard to believe that there's times, as a, I don't always have the answer as a pastor. There's obstacles that kind of arise within the church, you know, positions to fill and things to do and decisions to make. And, and I go before God, I mean, like a baby at times, I'm like, God, I, I literally don't know what to do with this. And the answer always comes back the same. The only way to get direction is to get quiet. Amen. I found that the more I rattle to God, the quieter he gets. But the quieter I get, the louder he gets. Amen, it's just true. Communication is very, very difficult, if not impossible, in the middle of chaos. In the middle of all the noise, communication becomes very difficult. If you don't believe me, try to hold a conversation with somebody while running a jackhammer. That would be very difficult. All the noise, you've been in a room, you're trying to visit with somebody and, and all this noise going on, it's, it's hard to communicate. The best way to communicate with somebody is to get into the quiet. And so our life gets so chaotic and we hear so much. We're watching the news and oh no, the world is going through this and this problem and the stock market up and down and down and up and, and, and my, my kids are giving me fits and uh, you know the job may be running out. And, I mean, you name it, chaos everywhere and that's all we can hear. And it brings us to a place of complete frustration and fear many times and confusion. And, and, and finally, when we get our wits about us enough to pray, because that's always the last resort, right? It shouldn't be. When we finally get our wits about us to pray, and God says, look, if you'll just get quiet, let me handle this. Let me do what I do, amen? Because there's not a thing you can do about this anyway. We find where God was faithful to them. If you flash forward into the book of Joshua, hang a right, Go to the book of Joshua, and we find where God, believe it or not, was faithful all the way through. You know why these scriptures that we read about how God interacted in the lives of people, you know why that's so, so important to us today? Because the Bible says that God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes, which means that if God will work in the lives of people 4,000, 6,000, 2,000 years ago, he still works in the life of his people today. How many of you still believe that? That's not many. This was a good message for today, apparently. I caught you off guard. How many of you still, and don't answer if you don't believe it. How many of you still believe it? Amen. Okay, that was a few more, but let's just trudge forward. Um. We find here where now Moses, who had led Israel for so many years, is dead. And God has raised up Joshua to take the reins and to now lead. Now, they're already free from the Egyptians. They are on the right side of the Red Sea. They've went through a lot of stuff. We don't have time to go through all that, but they were disobedient, this and that, something else. But they finally make it to that land. They finally make it to the promised land that God had given them. Joshua is now their leader. 
But the problem is this, and you can imagine this, God said, here's your land from here to here, it's yours, it's yours, go on in and take it. Now, now that's great, but you can imagine the obstacle when you find out that there's already people living there. There's already nations of people that call that land home. It'd it'd be like, it'd be like, you know, me, you know, telling Dirk, Dirk, I want you to go, that, that house is yours, I'm giving it to you. Only for him to get there and find out somebody's already living there. So God says, that land is yours, but you... I'm going to move upon you to remove those people. They were never supposed to be there to begin with. I'm going to remove those people and give you back your land. And so as they get there, their very first obstacle was a city called Jericho. I mean, this was a massive city with great armies and a wall around the entire city that protected the city. That's the way they did things back then. I mean, a wall wouldn't do much today with F-16 fighter jets and all that kind of stuff. Back in the day of catapults and bows and arrows, a big, thick wall kept you pretty safe. They put a big wall around Jericho, and God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go there one day, one time a day for six days, I want you to march around the city. You're going to go up there, you're going to march around the city, and you're going to go back to camp. The next day, you're going to do the same thing. The next day, same thing. Six days you're going to do that. On the seventh day, you're going to go around seven times, and on the seventh time around, I'm going to give you the command to shout. I mean, you're going to make some noise. You're going to make some commotion. They're going to blow the trumpets, and everybody's just going to make a bunch of noise, and then God's going to do what God does. God's going to do what you can't do in that he will bring the wall down. God didn't say, I want you to get your tacks and your chisels and your hammers and your bazookas, and we're going to blow the wall down. No, God said, all I want you to do is just march. But here's the thing that that stood out to me as I read this. This is in the sixth chapter, verse 10. But Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day that I tell you to shout. Okay, let me read it again. They've got their orders to walk around the the city one day a week, but here was the, I think this was the most important part of the command. Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth. You shall not speak a word until the day that I tell you to shout. (laughs) I want you to be completely silent as you're marching. Think about what the, what God is ultimately saying. I mean, why? Why couldn't they hold a conversation? Let me tell you one reason I think that God wanted the people to be quiet as they marched around. Because the more we talk, the more we doubt. The more we talk, the more we gripe and complain. Is that true? Here's what could have happened as the nation of Israel is marching around the wall on, say, the fifth day. You know, they're they're five days into this. And this wasn't just like a, you know, a city the size of this building. That'd be easy. You march around, you know, if you come and march around this building and then go home, no big deal. And we're talking about a city. It literally would have taken them a big chunk of the day to go all the way around this city. And so imagine come the fifth day, they're kind of sick of it by now. And they're seeing absolutely no change. They're seeing no results. 
We're marching, we're doing what God is telling us to do, but we're seeing no results. So you know as well as I do, I know what I would do. I'd be walking around seeing going, you know, I don't see a crack one in the foundation of this place. I haven't, I haven't seen these people, they just stand up on the wall, you know, maybe they're mocking, they weren't mocking, they were scared to death, I might add, which is another reason why I think the silence uh, was a good idea. Can you imagine the people of Jericho, and they're standing in there, and they already have heard about the nations of Israel, they know how great the Israelite God is, so the, the, the Jericho people are scared to death, and literally, all they can do is look over the, the pier of the wall and watch these people marching in silence. As if to say, I mean, they weren't, you know, they could have been making, they could have been, you know, trash talking. Yeah, we're going to kick your tail. and Our God's better than your God. And you just wait until we get in there. And they could have been, they just marched in silence. They were letting God do their talking for them. Breeding fear in the hearts of these people. All they could hear was, the sound of footsteps. A three million person nation. Their silence was deafening, but it was about trust. I don't want you to say anything. I don't want you, you start, here's what happens. Doubt and griping is contagious, right? You start doubting, I don't see any cracks in the wall, nothing's changing. You, hey, Bert, uh, change, there's nothing going on. Do you see anything going on? No, I just think, I don't know that maybe Joshua was just kind of woo-woo. You know, I mean, Joshua was the one, ultimately, Joshua said God told us to do this, but how do we really know God was speaking through Joshua? And the more they talk, the more they convince themselves that this is just stupid. There ain't nothing gonna happen with this, and by the time the seventh day rolled around, they might have stayed in their tent. They wouldn't even have done. God said, I don't want you to say anything. I want you to be silent. The only way to get direction is to get silent. They marched around. They did exactly what God told them, and on that seventh day, as they marched seven times around, after seven days of pure silence, Joshua gives the command, now let's rip and let's snort. I mean, now shout as loud as you can shout. And they begin to yell out. They begin to yell out in the name of God. Ah! And the trumpets. The the priests blew the trumpets. Ah! And just this great noise. And God did what God only God can do. And that the ground began to shake. The Bible says, and the foundations of the city wall began to crack, and the entire wall around that city fell right in its place. And the Israelites were able to march forward and take the city. When we get in quiet, it's more than just, it has to be done on purpose. It's gotta be, quietness doesn't, doesn't force its way through all of the distractions. It's something that we have to acknowledge in our mind that I am struggling here, I'm going in circles here, I've gotta find a place to get quiet with God. And it's more more than just the atmosphere, it's more than just being quiet in our mouth, with our mouth, it's about being quiet in our heart and in our mind. It's about finding, you, you can be in the midst of complete noise and chaos and still get quiet before God. Because it's in your mind, it's in your soul, when God, that's how God speaks to us. God doesn't speak to us in our flesh. I mean, right now, as I'm, as I'm speaking to you, as I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching with my, my physical mouth, and you're listening with your physical ears, but that's about as fleshly as it gets. Ultimately, this, this word that you hear from God this morning, it, it goes from God's spirit to my spirit to your spirit. That's when it matters the most in the spirit. God can speak to us in the inner man, but we got to be listening, Amen. 
My, mom, uh, my uh, sweet wife doesn't like it when I listen but don't listen, right? I know you guys, you, all the rest of you guys, you got it all figured out, don't you? Bunch of jerks. You think, you think you, you got it all figured out. You're not any better than I am. We just, we listen, but we don't listen. It's funny, after 23 years of marriage, Tina we talking to me, and, and she says, she finally stops, she's saying, you didn't hear that. Yeah, I, I heard it, what I say. And I can tell her about an eighth of it. You know what I mean? And, and that is, it's no different with us. I mean, God says, look, you're, you're listening, you're praying. There's not a person in this room that doesn't pray. I, I believe that. I believe that you pray. You, you, recognize the, you recognize the power of it. You recognize the need of it. But there's just a time where a prayer on the run doesn't work for us. Amen? There's time where just a canned prayer as we're driving down the road is not sufficient. God said, you're listening, but you're not listening. I need you to really listen. And in order for you to do that, you got to stop, be still, and be quiet. I hope you see this morning, like, like Lisa was saying earlier, that this is not just a sermon. I, I think that if this is grabbed a hold of, if we can truly grab a hold of what God is trying to speak to us, we begin to see great differences in our life. Not, not, that, everything, not that everything just, let me put it to you like this. It, faith is either a part of our life or it's the center of our life. Amen? Our trust in God and our faith in God is either just a part of our life or it's, it's in the center, and it, it's got to be in the center. Can you imagine what it would be like to drive down the road in a car where the hub of the wheel was on the outside? You take a wheel, the hub is in the center. It's in the middle. That's what creates balance. The hub creates balance because it's in the middle. You move the hub to the outside, it's all out of whack. And, and Jesus' faith in God is the hub of our life. When, when Christ is the most important thing, our relationship with God is the most important thing, we keep it the center of our life and we learn to stop and seek God in every decision we make. He's the center that our world is in balance. But when we, when we say, well, God, I like you, I love you, and I, want, I have faith in you, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of just do my things my own way, we keep God as part of our life, but it's not the center, our whole world is just out of balance. So when things get out of balance, it forces us to come to a place where we kind of get real with ourselves and say, well, where is my faith? And the only way to find out and to make sure that that faith is back in the center where it belongs is to take time and get quiet before God. You know, one reason Joshua was successful as a leader in, in leading Israel through this whole uh, Jericho fiasco and through all of the battles that they fought even after that, if, if, you, go, if you look back, you have to turn there. But not long, uh, well, first of all, let me just go back to Joshua chapter one. Uh, you, you may want to turn there. Joshua chapter one, verses five and eight. Um, as Joshua is now taking the reins to be the leader of Israel, this is what God says to him. Joshua one, verse five. He said, no man shall be able to stand before you, Joshua, all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave or forsake you, be strong and be courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and be very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. 
Look at this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, everybody say then. For then will your way, will, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then, okay, so that means that whatever's about to be said hinges on what was just said, okay? You want to have good success? You want to prosper in what you're doing, Joshua? Then you have to know God's will, know God's law, know God's word, and not just know it, but meditate on it. So ultimately what he's saying, Joshua, you've got a great responsibility here in leading a nation of people. And you're not going to be successful with just a casual walk with me. You're not going to be successful by just kind of keeping me in your hip pocket. You have got to learn to meditate on my will and on my word and on my way. Meditate on it. What does it mean to meditate? Literally, the definition is to focus one's mind for a period of time in silence. To focus the mind for a certain period of time on one thing in silence. We are really, really thinking about it. Joshua, you have to give me that time and get silent. Let me speak to you. If you go about trying to lead this country thinking, oh, well, we need to do this. We got to be like other countries. He said, you're going to miss it. I alone am going to be able to give you the guidance you need to go forward. So here's the thing. Whether or not you believe that statement will all determine on whether or not this does you any good or not. Whether or not you really believe that God loves you, has your best interest in heart, and that God will work on your behalf, all, is it all hinges on that. If we don't believe that, then God's handcuffed in a lot of ways in our life. But if we can say, God, I don't see it, I don't hear it, I don't know what the end result's gonna be, but I trust you, and I believe that you're going to do what you do in my life, God's got full access and full reign. So Joshua, God says you need to meditate. So, and Joshua took that to heart. He did that. He began to, he began to he'd get alone. You know, because believe me, anytime you're in a place of leadership, people don't mind telling you their opinion. Right? How many of you have ever been in a place of leadership? Raise your hand. Work or church. How many of you have ever ever uh, was able to get through that job at leadership without somebody giving you their opinion. So it's amazing, I'm shocked at times what people have said to me over the years, honestly. And, and so, Joshua, you're gonna have all kinds of people in the country trying to tell you how to run the country. Well, now, Joshua, now that you're leader, you know, Moses always did this, but I just did, that was, I don't think he should have done it that way. Here's what you really need to do, Joshua, and everybody, and Joshua had to tune all of that out. And so he would get alone, he would go away from everybody, and he would take time to just listen to God, meditate on what he already knew God was saying to him and had said to him, and the Bible says that as Joshua, in one of these days of meditation, one of these days of prayer, one of these days where he got quiet, he got silent, and he's just listening. The Bible says that an angel appeared to him and gave him the whole plan for how they were going to defeat Jericho that I just explained to you. Here's what you're going to do. But here's what happened. When the Lord first spoke to Joshua, Joshua's response was this. What saith my Lord to his servant? Then he got quiet. God wanted to speak to him. He knew it. God, what do you want to say to me? And then he shut up and he let God speak. 
See, what we do, what I do, is I say, oh, God, what do you want me to do? Lord, here's what we need to do. (laughs) You know what I mean? Is anybody else like that? God, what do you want me to do here? Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's an obstacle. Here, blah, blah, blah. Maybe we can, maybe we can make it. But what Joshua did was said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then he got quiet. Oh, what a difference it makes when we just learn to let God do what God does. Amen? To let God do what we can't do. God's looking for undivided attention. Here's the problem. Well, I mean, well, I mean, Joshua did say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And God was able to speak to him. And so Joshua got it right. He got God's plan right, and it worked. If the people of Israel were talking and jabbering, they would have missed the signal. What was the signal? Joshua said, when you hear me shout, that's when you're going to shout. There was a signal, and if they were talking, they missed the signal. And I think, honestly, if we'll be honest with ourselves, I'm putting myself out here. I know I can testify to this. I think many times as we pray and seek God, we're looking for direction, and God is just sending out signal after signal after signal after signal, but we've never gotten quiet enough to hear the signal. Never got quiet enough to, to, it's about getting the heart of God, not getting our way. That's pretty important. Let me say that again. I don't know if I want to say that again. That convicted me. It's about getting the heart of God, not getting our way. Man, the God says, okay, I've got this person's attention. Now, I've got eye contact. You know when you're telling your kids to do something and they're, they're, they're doing this? You're like, hey, take out the trash, okay. You know, do this, do that, okay. And, you, and, and then the next day, none of it got done. Why? They said okay, right? So you, you want them to stop what they're doing and look at you in the face. Eye contact. Because you can acknowledge, when you're looking at somebody in the eye, you can acknowledge if they're hearing you. I can tell this morning. I look out there and I can tell which one of you about to sleep. I can tell which one of you are, are hearing me. I can tell, and nobody's asleep. I, I, didn't, I wasn't calling nobody out. So if you dozed off, I didn't see it. I'm just, I'm just saying... I'm just saying that you can tell by looking in somebody's eyes if they're engaging and if they're really hearing you. And so God said, based on what this is, when when we take this time to get silent before God, we're making eye contact with him. We're saying, God, I really do care what you're telling me to do. So, all right, let me flash, go go to the book of Acts. I'm gonna gonna wind this up. Uh, Acts chapter nine. Acts chapter 9, verse 7. Now, just a little background here before we read these verses. Uh, there was a man by the name of Saul. When, when the church really got good and started, Jesus has been crucified, resurrected, and ascended back to the Father, and now the apostles are out there preaching the gospel, and, and people are getting saved by the thousands. The kingdom of God is growing. The gospel is growing, and Satan's doing everything he can um, to get it stopped, and the Jews are working hard to stop this message of Christ. And there was one uh, Jewish man by the name of Saul who worked harder than everybody, to get the message of Christ stopped. He hated the whole idea of Christianity. He was a, a Pharisee and he was right, felt like he was right 100% of the way. So Saul literally had a license to catch Christians, kill them in many cases, throw them into prison, and he did a good job bringing them in by the droves. But one day on his way to Damascus, as he's going to catch more Christians, the Bible says that Jesus appeared to him in a vision. A bright light shined, and, and Saul was blinded. He fell off of his donkey. He was completely blind. He couldn't see anything, but he heard a voice. 
And that voice was the voice of Christ. And he said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul's basically said like, you know, who, who are you? Who is this? And Jesus says, well, this is Jesus. And Paul was like, or Saul was like, want to get away? You remember those commercials, you know, something bad happens and you're in a bad, uncomfortable situation, want to get away? He was like, oh, that's not good. The very one that he's persecuting is the one that's speaking to him. He's blind and, and all he can do is hear. He can't see. He barely speaks it off. He's just awestruck. He can't speak. All he can do is listen. And so Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up and I want you to go to a certain place. He gave him a place that he wanted him to go. I want you to go there and I want you just to stay put and just wait till I give you instructions. And Saul's entire life was upside down. I mean, everything he believed, everything he believed to be true, everything about Jesus, everything was upside down. And so he can't even speak. He goes to this place and he just plops down. And I can, in my mind, he wouldn't eat. He wouldn't drink. No doubt he could not sleep. And in my mind, I, I, I just would almost guarantee he didn't say a word. People come in, Saul, what's wrong with you? He just, all he could do was listen. God told him, I'm going to give you the direction you need, but I just want you to get quiet for a while. God speaks to a man by the name of Ananias to go and give him a certain word. And this is what God spoke to him. If you go, I never did read 9, 7, 9, did I? Um, but I just told you the story. So go on, flash forward over to uh, verse 17. I can find it. There we go. So in verse 17, so Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, in other words, his hands on Saul, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from off of his eyes. He regained his sight. Then he arose and was baptized. Taking food, he was strengthened. And from that moment forward, Saul, who later became known as Paul, was a fireball for Jesus Christ. He went out to preach the gospel, and probably nobody has led more people to Jesus Christ than the Apostle Paul. The majority of your New Testament that you hold in your hand, most of those letters that Paul wrote are now in our Bible. Paul, still to this day, is leading people to Jesus and giving instruction to the churches, right? And it all came from that one short period of time where he was kind of forced to get quiet and let God speak to him. And he got the direction he needed. Remember, you can't get direction until you first get quiet. He got the direction he needed that led his entire, that, 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 that set out the course for the rest of his life. I wonder, I, I'm just, I'm just, I, I, just, I may be fool enough, fool enough, foolish enough to believe this morning that maybe if everybody would just dare to get quiet before God and really listen, that maybe he would give us direction we need that literally would, 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 would give us the course for our life, that would, would, would produce a faith, in the, a faith in us, a rock-solid faith that the enemy can no longer tear down because we've learned one thing, so simple yet so hard, and that's just how to get quiet. I get it. It's hard. It's a, it's a busy world. My goodness. We're just going to and fro here and there. We go to work, we go to home, we go to back to work, we go to friends' house, we go to sporting events, we go and we go and we go and we go and nobody likes to go more than I do. And that's, that's fine, it's good. I think going and doing, we're interacting with people, it's better than sitting home on our bum all, all every day, right? 
It's good that we go and that we do and that we're busy to a certain extent. But for crying out loud, at some point, it's, it's, it's got to stop, right? For just a moment, it's got to stop where we can just be sensitive before God. You can do it. You can do it. I'm going to leave you with this verse. I love this verse. Probably one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, if not my favorite verse. And it's Psalm 46 and 10. It just simply says this. Be still and know that I am God. Be still, be quiet, and know that I am God. You know what happens when I acknowledge that God is God? I'm acknowledging that I'm not God. Amen? Saying God is God, I have, I have absolutely no idea what to do. I can't even begin to try to counsel you, God. Sometimes that's my prayer. I, I try to pray sometimes, and I, I stop myself mid-sentence, and I think, you know, God, who am I to instruct you? I mean, honestly, this is, I don't know. You do what you want to do. You know what I mean? Just let me, let me be in a place, a spiritual place, where I can just hear your voice. I can sense your direction. I can, I can recognize your spirit at work. You do what you do, God. Be, I'm going to be still because I know that you're God. I love that. Stand with me this morning, would you? Bow your heads with me for just a second. Close your eyes and before, let's just, let's just listen to the silence for a second, can we? I'm a bit of a hyperactive person. You may have noticed I talk a lot and I listen little. And silence sometimes makes me nervous. I feel like I've always got to be filling the gap, filling the silence. But what I've learned is that when it comes to the things of God, there is a peace that comes in silence when I can't hear anything else. All I can hear is God. And it's not an audible voice. I'm not saying, you know, you're going to hear God's voice. Thou shalt do such and such. It's just a still, small voice, the Bible calls it. A still, small voice. Some people call it your conscience. It's not your conscience. It's the Spirit of God speaking to you, giving you direction. As they play this morning again, just... Just keep your head bowed if you don't care. Just... Let's just take a second. I don't want to rush this. Gosh, it is so early. Let's just take a second, okay? Don't even sing yet. Just play. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I've done all the talking I can do. I've delivered my heart this morning, giving you the word that God wants me to, to give. 
I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to ask them to sing. I'm really not going to plea and talk and reason and try to convince you throughout this altar call. I'm going to let God does what, let God do what God does. I'm just going to encourage you this morning as they begin to sing to just listen. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you want to come this morning and be prayed for, you want to be saved, if you have a need of any kind, God's dealing with your heart. Is it something that you hear in the silence of your own voice? You just need God to work in your life, and you're saying to him, God, I'm listening. Maybe he's trying to get you to do something. Maybe he's been dealing with your heart about working for him, and you've kind of been, he's talking, but you've been kind of putting it off. And, but in this moment, we're just going to be quiet Maybe you're listening this morning and you just want to surrender to that. You want prayer for anything this morning? That's great. If you, want, if you don't, you want to stay right there and receive what you, It doesn't matter. I'm just saying that I'm, I'm going to let God speak to you from here on out, okay?